He is risen. Now, Easter is an odd thing for people who aren't churchgoers. A lot of talk about death and resurrection, crosses and blood. Many of us in this room believe in Jesus and his story. Some of us here probably don't. Some of us here maybe came with family or friends, were visiting in front of town, wanted to be kind to our host, so we came to church on a Sunday. You see, you see people singing, people giving into an offering plate. You wonder, why, why do people do this stuff? Why do they come to this place week after week? Why do they sing these songs? What is it about Jesus that calls people towards him? There's a historian I really enjoy reading. His name is Dr. Holland. And Dr. Holland wrote incredible... He wanted to uh, study Christianity. He wanted to know why did Christianity take root in the West? Why did Christianity spread so far, so fast? Because Christianity changed the world, dude. Like, even if you don't believe in him, you can't deny that his teachings bled into every corner of the planet. I mean, our calendar is based upon his birth, right? Like, this guy, his life changed everything. So Tom Holland... Dr. Holland, Tom Holland's a Spider-Man actor, but this guy's also named Tom Holland, but he's a, he's, a, he's a doctor, he's an old British guy. So Dr. Holland, he wrote in his book, I have it in my office, he wrote that behind the veil of history, there must be some event we cannot find that transformed simple fishermen into superheroes. Simple, uneducated Normal folk like you and I took these normal people and let them stand before kings, fearless before them. And these simple people took the message of Christ around the world almost one generation. I mean, after Christ died, his followers, they go to India, they go to Africa, they're up in Russia, they're going into Rome and Spain, up in Europe. In one generation, the message just explodes. So Dr. Holland says... Something happened to these guys that we don't know about that turned simple people into superheroes. And I read his studies, and I, I'm like amening a history textbook. I'm reading, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Because he is so close. He wonders what could have turned nobodies into somebodies. What could turn simple folk into superheroes? And the answer is the resurrection. These guys saw something impossible. And no matter what anyone did to them or said to them, they're like, listen, I don't care if you kill me and my wife and my kids. I saw what I saw. This man is who I loved. They, you guys killed him dead. You defeated him on Calvary Hill. And three days later, he came over and we had some fish together. And it freaked us out. Like the resurrection happened and we're not going to deny this historical fact. Today we talk about resurrection. And even if you're here and you are like, I don't know if I believe this. Something happened. Something happened. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. So, most, the majority 
of historians agree that Christ lived. And they agree that Christ was crucified. That is something no one argues about. In history, there's a guy named Jesus, and the Romans killed him. We have Roman records of his execution. That's not, no one argues with that part. Now, after he's dead, some of the women that loved him, his mama and some of the ladies that were real faithful, they prepare a basket of spices, and they go to his grave because they want to anoint his body with perfume and oil. They're not... They're, I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. I don't know when you get up on Sunday. That's, I get up 6 a.m. most every day of my life. Uh, when you work, when you work, I don't know how to say it, but your body gets used to a certain time. You know what I'm saying? My body has an internal clock now. Every 6 a.m., even on my day off Monday, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I just want to sleep in for an hour. Um, but your body just wakes up automatically. Six, I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning, and I laid there in the dark, and I thought, man, right now, all those years ago, those women are waking up. And there's no hope. There's no joy. They wake up sad because Mary's son is dead. And for these ladies, for, for Mary Magdalene, this man who wants to be between her and those who would kill her, he's gone. They wake up sad, and these, these kind women are going to take care of his body. In, in quiet, in darkness, in somberly, they put all these things in a basket. They begin walking to the tomb with the hope of anointing his dead body out of an act of respect. Verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I heard a lot of people, skeptics, who don't believe in God or Jesus, they'll say things like, you believe in things like angels. And I'm like, sure I do. But here's the reality. These people in these stories are just like you and I. When these women saw an angel, they weren't like, sweet, an angel. It freaked them out. Because you don't see that normal life. Like we live our lives, we drive around, we have friendships. Most of us will never, ever see something supernatural. And when these ladies saw something supernatural, it freaked them out. The way it, it, it freaked, like I, I'm a pastor who loves Jesus. I saw an angel, I'm like, oh no. Like I'd be freaked out, right? They, 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 they fall to the ground. What are you? Why are you here? Ah! Okay, they're freaked out. And listen. And these angelic beings say, Why do you seek the living among the dead? What are you doing? You've come here to anoint a dead man. Didn't you hear what he had to tell you all the time he was with you? And the question they ask these women is a question we must ask ourselves. Why do we seek life among dead things? Because, listen, every person in the world, religious or irreligious, we all want to find something to make our lives mean something. We want satisfaction. We want purpose. We want a reason, right? And listen, every generation has a new answer. My generation, I'm Gen X, born 1980. I know, I'm, I'm old. But uh, <laughs> some of you are like, no, you're not old yet. Uh, it feels like I am. Um, so Gen X, when I graduated high school, the principal of my high school, Waterford Mott High School, 
the principal got up in front of all the students and told us all, follow the money. No lie. The principal told us students, follow the money. It's terrible advice. I'm like, you know, if I sold drugs, it was a lot of money that way. Follow the money. All right, principal, let's go. Like, that's a terrible counsel. But my generation, money was kind of a big deal. That was like, if you made money, you made it. But the millennials came after me. Millennials come, and for them, money isn't the number one. For them, a lot of it's fame, influence, being seen. You see, the millennials, they're the generation that come into existence with social media and the internet, right? Like, I grew up, I remember when the internet first, like, started. I was like, oh, an email. Like, that was, like, very new and cool for me. Some of you guys grew up, and some, some of the little ones, the Gen Zers, Smartphones are normal. That's, that's thinking Star Trek in your pocket. You have no idea how the world has changed before these things came into our lives. But uh, millennials, fame matters to millennials. Like social media, we, we want people to know our names and follow us and love us. Um, when I was young, the, the people we listened to were celebrities and athletes and the wealthy. Nowadays, there's things called influencers, you know, that are on social media and don't have really any talent or ability or wisdom, but they're cool. And so we're like, tell me how to live. And we listen to them. And a lot of us want to be like them. We have Instagram or TikTok or Facebook and like, maybe people will see me and like me. If they like me, that will fill the void in my soul. But listen, the millennials are finding out, even if you're beloved on social media, it doesn't make the pain go away. We have a Tuesday night recovery group right here at the church on the first and third Tuesday for anyone in recovery, anyone who loves someone in recovery, we have a thing right here. And we have a guy in our recovery group who is TikTok famous, had millions of followers and people that followed his channel. And if he told you his testimony, he'd tell you that that attention, that celebrity did not bring to his life what he thought it would bring. It didn't bring joy, satisfaction. Instead, it brought to him misery and pain and addiction, and he's just rebuilding his life right now. Gen Z, man, I don't even know what they're dealing with. It's a, it's, I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm so old, it's hard to know the next generation after. But every generation tries to find happiness somewhere and the thing is, we look, there's an old country song that my grandma used to love to listen to. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in so many faces. Um, listen, that's us. We're trying to find something to make it all go away. I used to play poker. I know, pastor. Yeah, I used to play poker at this bowling alley. Ah, we play together. Okay, so <laughs> me and Pastor James. We're terrible pastors. Um, but <laughs> we used to go to this uh, bowling alley, play poker. And for us, here's the purpose. We wanted to get to know everybody and just be, like, we want to be friends to everybody. We want to bring the light of Jesus into a bowling alley, just laugh, have fun, and just be cool. Well, at the bowling alley, um, there was a lady, and um, she had a reputation, this lady did. Because often at the end of the night, she'd go home with different people most every week. And the men had words, names for her. They'd call her things she wasn't around. And one night, it's late, I'm on the last table because I'm a good card player. And uh, <laughs> it's true. Um, but um, she's there 
with a friend. They're talking, and they're both out of the game, but they're next to me just talking. And she says the saddest thing I ever heard. She says to her friend, they're, they're, they're a little intoxicated. She goes, I know what they say about me. I know they laugh about me. She's like, I just, I just don't want to feel so alone. That's a real thing we all feel. We try to find something to fill the empty, the sad, the lonely. And tragically, where we look doesn't work. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do we look for life among all these dead answers? And the angels speak the truth here, they say. He is not here, but he has risen. And here's the crazy thing about this moment. Mary, Mary Magdalene, Peter, James, John. Resurrection is not on the menu. You understand know, what I'm saying? They're not waiting for Christ to get back up. To them, the story is over. Because I don't know what your life is like, okay? I don't know how old you are. I don't know where you've been yet. Some of you are younger. I'm 40 years old, 42 years old. And here's the thing. The first decades of my life, I didn't lose anybody close to me. Like the first 20 years of my life, no one in the inner circle passed away. So I was insulated from death for a long time, right? But the people we love, they do pass. And when someone in the inner circle passes, it leaves a mark that never goes away. Um, there are people that I've lost that I still get my phone out and think to call them. I'm like, oh yeah, they're gone. I can't call them. And you feel the, that tinge of sadness, you know, because you miss them. You, they're important. Death is, oh, there's a thing happening, so we'll find that and turn it off, okay. Um, death is an ending. We feel the ending. Death feels like the end. Death feels like I will never see my loved one again. And for Peter, James, and John, and Mary, they're like, Jesus died, the story's over. Christ coming back is not even on their radar, not on the menu, okay? I was talking trash the last service. My favorite food, I finally, I finally know my favorite food. I've just I figured it out. It took me years. I, I, I had a lot of, it's, it's not ribs. That surprised me. I love ribs. Not spaghetti. I love spaghetti. My favorite food by far is breakfast tacos. Whenever we go anywhere, whenever my wife and I go anywhere to visit anybody, I pull up my smartphone, I Google breakfast tacos best. And if someone has good, I, I will wake up early, I will stand in line. I'm going to try to see if they're good as mine. Well, I'm a married man. I've been married 20 years now. 20 years this year. It's coming up. And we do dates. My wife and I go on dates sometimes, right? And the fact of the matter is, I have to sometimes let her... i got to go to her restaurant sometimes, right? That's what love is. Watching her movie, going to her restaurant. I can't go to Chipotle every single time. So um, she likes Panera Bread. It's so fancy. It is. It's expensive and it's not filling. Fellas, are you with me? They give you a half a sandwich and a bowl of soup for $18. 
I'm t- it's brutal, dude. It's brutal. So I, listen, I go there with my wife sometimes because I love her so much and I want her to be happy. So we go to Panera. And I, I, I prepare my heart. I'm like, I'm going to Panera. And you know what? I'm going to suffer for the Lord and it's going to be great. <laughs> it's not for the Lord, but it's, it's, it's for my wife and I love her. She's not here. It's okay. I can talk, I can talk trash. So I go there, look at the menu. It's like, ah, oh, all this weird stuff you have. European sandwiches, goofy soup. What am I going to have? A baguette, which is a really just unpleasant piece of bread. Um, I'm just saying, it's like I could kill a man with it. Why would I want to eat it? Uh, so, imagine I go to Panera Bread, and I'm, I'm like, maybe I'll have the Frotega chicken. Maybe I'll have the... The turkey chili, if it's winter or whatever. And I look at the menu, and all of a sudden, the dude behind the counter goes, hey, come here. I'm like, what's up, dude? He goes, hey, listen. We're trying something new here at Panera Bread. I'm like, what you got? He's like, it's not on the menu, but we're testing out some breakfast tacos. I would be like, ooh, miracle of miracles, right? I expected nothing and got everything. I tell this ridiculous story for a purpose Peter, James, and John expected nothing. They thought maybe, we'll write down, his, write down his teachings for a while, maybe we'll have good memories. Nowhere in their wildest dreams they, they believe they'd see him alive again. It's not on the radar. It's not on the stinking menu. And the angel says, listen, you're here at the tomb. He's not here. You've come to the wrong place. This is a place for dead people. The guy you're looking for is walking around alive. Jesus Christ, who had laid there for days dead, his, listen, those empty veins began to pump. That heart began to start beating, and blood began to flow. The color comes back. Those deflated lungs inflate with life. Dude, that's freaky stuff, man. And he just wakes up like he had been asleep. And, and all that his body battered and destroyed is healed. And the wounds don't bleed any longer. The marks are there, but the pain is not. And he's alive. He has risen. And because Christ, amen, because he's risen, That means we too shall rise because Christ defeated death for himself and for all who follow. And for those of us who do believe in him, death is not that great, fearsome wall. For us, we know if he beat death for himself, he can take me with him. This baptism act we just did, we take someone and we put them under the water. We put them all the way, bring them all the way up, right? It's a picture of death. It's, It's a picture of Christ's death. Christ died, was buried, and rose again. It's also a picture of our new life in Christ. I was dead in my sin, but I have been given new life in Christ. When we brought Ryan out of the water, we said the words, raised to walk in newness of life. That's only possible because he has risen. He has risen indeed. But here's the deal. The women come all the way back to the house where all the men folk are. Peter, James, and John. And they're all bummed out, sitting around, hating life. And the women tell them, we went and we saw angels. 
Couldn't find the body. Listen to verse 11. But these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they were not believing them. Listen, Peter and John and James are just like us. They're not going to be taken into some random story easily. They're like, listen, listen, listen. Ain't nobody getting up if they die. Death is the end. Christ is dead. End of story. What are you women talking about? And once again, we see the men folks, listen to the women folks sometimes because it would save us a lot of trouble. The women tell them and the men will, they do not believe. And many in this room do not believe. There are some in this room who are like, you know what? I hear what you're saying, Pastor. I just don't believe it's true. I heard a debate yesterday. I was listening, I listened to podcasts on my phone. There's a popular debate between a, a brilliant atheist and a brilliant Christian. Because both exist. There are brilliant atheists and brilliant Christians, okay? And they're debating the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this debate. And the Christian asked the atheist, do you agree that Christ lived? The atheist goes, I agree he lived. Now I'm like, okay, here we go. The Christian asked the atheist, do you agree that Christ was crucified by Rome? He goes, I agree. He goes, okay. Do you agree that the apostles, the followers of Christ, said he rose again? And the atheist goes, I agree that his followers said he rose again. Now, I knew what was happening. I'm listening to the debate. Um, he's inviting the debater. He's like, he's pulling him closer and closer to himself. And every time he says yes, he's pulling him closer. Because here's the thing. If you believe Christ existed, if you believe he was crucified, if you believe his followers preached resurrection, how do you explain away what happens next? How it changes the entire world. How 11 guys get martyred for the message they saw and believed in the core of their souls. <laughs> I was watching a movie this last week about Watergate because I'm a huge nerd. And uh, <laughs> after the movie, I started like, digging into Watergate. It's a weird, it's, if you're young, you don't know what it is. If you're old, it was crazy. Um, Nixon got impeached. He's president. It happened in America. It's history. The Watergate scandal had 25 guys who did something really bad together. And they asked one of the guys, how'd you get caught? And he said, us 25 guys, we couldn't hold a lie for 13 days. When the pressure came, everyone was like lawyering up and like, I'm going to talk first. They all ratted on one another because no one wanted to go down first. Those 25 guys couldn't last 13 days in the lie. These 11 dudes... They go to the grave to a man because it ain't a lie. It happened. Listen to what, so Peter says the words are seen as nonsense. He doesn't believe them. Listen to verse 12. But Peter stood up and he ran to the tomb and he stooped to look in. If you're here and you don't believe, to you, Christ sounds like nonsense. I would encourage you like Peter. Go to the tomb and just look, get, look in. Give him a chance, man. Because if it did happen, it changes everything. If it happened, it changes what we understand about life, about death, about purpose, about who we are and what we were meant to be. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I don't know what I believe, but I'm willing to look in the tomb. These cards you got in front of you in the, in the, the pews, grab one, write your name and number down, just say, Pastor, 
I'm willing to talk about it. We'll sit down together, have some coffee, and talk. I'm not going to try to sit and beat you up or beat you in a debate. Well, I'll listen and we'll talk. We'll look inside the tomb together and say, what's in there? Give it a chance. It could change your whole life. I'm reading another book right now called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. A, she is a radical atheist. And she went over this pastor's house to interview him because she's writing a book trying to show the church is so stupid. She said, the church is stupid. They're awful. I'm going to get them. She goes to this church to wreck these guys' lives. And she goes into their home and she says, what I didn't expect from these Christians was they would love me the way they did. They welcome me into their house, welcome me in their lives. They welcome me with their love. And she's like, and within a year of their friendship, I met Jesus, and it changed everything. C.S. Lewis, the great apologist, he tried to disprove Christianity, and six months into his study, he said, after everything he found, he would have had to commit intellectual suicide not to believe. If you're here, you don't know. Let's look in the tomb together. If you're here and you do believe in Christ, let me encourage you. This has been a hard week for our church. It really has. People in our church family have had a hard week. We've gotten some bad diagnosis at the hospital this week. We were praying. We were praying for good and bad came. We have people we love at the hospital right now. We've had death got a brother in Christ who wanted to come to church today, but he can't because he fell off a ladder and he still can't leave his house. If you're here and you're in the midst of that kind of storm, let me encourage you. The Jesus you believe in is alive. And he's not forgotten you or left you. As you walk through the valley, even if it's in the shadow of death, he is alive and he is with you. Let him carry you in this life. It's stinking too hard to carry yourself, man. So if you're here and you love the Christ, remember, he's alive. You are not alone. So with that said, church, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for, for dying and for rising again. For those in this room, there are those here and we believe. Hold us close, Lord, in this hard world. There are those in this room who don't know what they believe. Lord, whisper their name. Call them to yourself. And there are those in this room who think you're a joke. Lord, keep on calling them to yourself, Lord. You can knock down the strongest wall around the hardest of hearts. We love you, Jesus, very much. In Christ's name we ask all these things. Amen.